Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in tech news, you're going to find this episode very interesting. If you're a media relations professional who works in tech, you've just hit the mother load. In this podcast, Kathy Brooks, who currently handles marketing for Draper Fisher Jurvetson backed Israeli mobile search app provider Duat, interviews All Things D co-editor Kara Swisher about her tech blog's personality the hamsterization of journalism, balancing accuracy against speed in the quest to be first, and what makes All Things D different from other tech news outlets. She also talks about uh, the recent scandal at News Corp's News of the World and just how well Rupert Murdoch follows what's going on at All Things D. She talks about Arianna Huffington's Uh, shill for higher standards in journalism while excluding AOL employee Michael Arrington from their corporate policy that restricts bloggers from investing in companies they cover. And she talks about the New York Times consumer technology reporter David Pogue getting reprimanded for speaking at a PR conference. And uh, this interview was recorded at a PR conference. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Listen up. Uh, so I'm Kathy Brooks. Um, until recently, I was an independent consultant uh, helping small and large companies with storytelling. Uh, a startup has made an honest woman out of me. I am now um, heading up strategic relationships for a company called Duat. Oh, look, I'm wearing their T-shirt. Um, an Israeli startup. But today is not about that. Today is about Kara Swisher. Who, uh, all right, how many of you guys here read All Things D? Yeah. There you go. Applause. Excellent. If your hand didn't go up, you're so in trouble. Or you're lying, which is just not right. Um, so uh, if you don't know who Kara Swisher is, she is one of the leading journalists in the tech industry. You've been covering tech since before. It was like for a, long, for a while. You were only two or three when you got started, no, though. Now I'm quite old. Uh, the early 90s. So let's... Um, Let's talk a little bit about online media. So you're, you were old school journalist, worked in a newspaper, have evolved into the world of the digital realm. You're now really a blogger. Yes, indeed. But, but a journalistic blogger. So talk yes. a little bit about how that's evolved. Um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting um, uh, to use the term blogging. Um, just recently, um, I hate to say toot something, but we, we won, the All Things Digital won a, the Loeb Award for blogging, actually, this year um, for my coverage of Yahoo's uh, earnings uh, I live blog Yahoo's earnings um, reports, and Carol Bart provides such ridiculous material that I won. Um, so I thanked her when I won the award. Um, uh, but it was it was separate from the other awards. There were other awards for uh, enterprise reporting and stuff like that, but they had a separate designation for blogging, which I uh, thought was unusual, and I actually said so in, in the thing, is that the, these were reported, what we do in All Things Digital, reported news. We break news all the time. Um, and so I wondered, as much as I enjoy my giant crystal globe, um, that I wondered why there was a separate um, 
category for blogging as if it's some weird um, stepchild or crazy cousin in the closet. Um, so I was had a long discussion with the people at UCLA who monitor the awards, but it's the same thing at the Pulitzers and everything else. There are separate designations for online. Do you think that's going to change, though? I, I mean, think it, it has, has to. to. It has to. Um, and so I, I consider myself a blogger. I'm very proud to be called a blogger, but I think what, peop- what is happening is that it's morphing into uh, just regular journalism um, for most people who do quality, uh, standards-based, ethics ethically um, uh, strong uh, work. Uh, it's the same thing as what I was doing at the Wall Street Journal for a, uh, a decade and the same thing I was doing at the Washington Post a decade before. It's not much different except that it's faster. It has a little more attitude and personality um, and it's, uh, I think it's better actually. What we're doing. Well, I mean, you, you come from a strong media background and training organizations where ethics, integrity, things like fact-checking, right. making sure that you are actually telling a story that's a real story, that you're not just writing fiction. Right. So that's your background, and you have assembled a team of people mm-hmm. at All Things D who carry that same belief. That's right. not necessarily the case, though. I mean, when you look across the industry, you know, you have people who are bloggers with no experience. Right. Uh, who that doesn't grow mean they're into not good. It. That doesn't mean they're not good. So talk a little bit about that, that line, because, you know, a blogger um, can be a journalist, a journalist not necessarily a, a blogger... Well, it's an interesting thing because a lot of some people think in blogging in, in the blogging category that you just put up with the fr- that last thing you heard and then you can correct it as time goes on and the self correction of uh, of the internet is fine and you could you just put up what you hear. Um, I, I I am not you know be transparent say that you don't really aren't sure if this is true or the sources may not be good and that's good enough and. I think uh, I use an expression, transparency can cover up a lot of crimes. Um, <laughs> it, it's just, I think it's your response. It's like gossiping, you know, in a, um, it, it's like gossiping and posting it, and sometimes it can have profound effects. Um, most of the time, it's not a big effect, and it's usually just these things move so quickly, it doesn't really matter because they get correct. They do get corrected by other journalists. Um, but what we're doing in All Things D is not that. We don't, we don't post things that we aren't absolutely certain are going to happen, um, that we haven't done adequate reporting on, that we have haven't gotten two or three sources. Um, just your basic stuff. It's not really very difficult. And so what we're going for is we, we have the belief that people care about accuracy and people care about fairness. People care that we're not bullying people. We're not threatening people to get stories. We're not, um, we're not, we don't have agendas beyond simply writing the stories. And so that's our bet that people believe in that. I think people it, with, with the noise and the internet that they care about um, accurate sources of trusted information. I do. I know when I read about uh, things, I really do care if I feel as if it's accurate. Um, so I'm, we're, that's our bet. And it's the same thing that they're doing at the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or other places, is that uh, there's a very uh, great care uh, when we post things, that we, we, don't, we don't just rush up and write anything. And, it, you know, other people can do whatever they want. I mean, I don't, I don't really care. I don't give a, <laughs> and I always say I don't give a fuck. Who cares? But, um, you know, I don't think it's not great for journalism, but that's not journalism. I'm not sure what to call it. Um, but it's what it is. And, you know, what happens is whenever I say this, all the different tweet people um, go crazy. How dare she say what journalism is? Well, too bad. I'm going to say what, what I think journalism is. And they can define it at anything they want. Um, but they go crazy every time I say this, which seems they, they, should get, they should get a life. I have children and a nice family, and I have a life not to argue about what journalism is. But I think, you know, we all know what journalism is. And if they are doing something else, and they, they should, you know... It's interesting because blog- they go. Some people, not everybody. There's some wonderful uh, people in blogging. Um, 
they go crazy. That's like when, saying some of my best friends are bloggers. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm a blogger. But, uh, but I, I, they, they get angry when you try to like tell them what to do. I mean, it's sort of it reminds me of my eight year old sometimes. Like, don't tell me what to do, mom. Like, you know, I think I will tell you what to do. You know, I mean, it's just it's just a ridiculous argument. Don't tell me not to like take this knife and shove it in my brother kind of thing. Like, I think I will. I believe I think I shall advise you on that issue. So, um, you know, whatever. It, journalism. People know what good journalism is period. It may be changing, getting more interesting, but they know what it is. What about the pace of the news cycle? It's changed dramatically. Well, that's what's changed. Yeah, yeah so it's talk a little bit about quick. that and how it changes the way that you, you know, digest, gather information, and right. then actually put it out. Well, you know, people think it makes you less thoughtful. I think that's probably true. We do respond. I'm trying to get my staff not to be so responsive to every little stupid thing that comes out, every dumb funding of some silly startup. You know what I mean? That's not. I want them to give people more of an analysis and uh, it's almost like printing press releases. You know, we want to we want to have more of a context and more of a this means this kind of thing. And we, I, I encourage them to go out and meet people. Um, I don't want them to get sucked up into the the, the sort of hamster wheel. There's a thing called hamsterization of journalism that oh, people are God. just doing. That's the term, and it's true. Actually, you really do have to respond. I mean, I just was in the back. There was a report on CNBC that uh, Groupon had delayed its IPO, when in fact it hadn't delayed its IPO. <laughs> well, that's um, an example and, of an o- o- yeah, old media so organization to, getting something really just Well, wrong. you know, there's been questions around Groupon's IPO, but they had always planned September, mid-September, and, you know, the headline was, you know, then they, they have since amended the head. They may delay their IPO. Well, they may, you know, take a rocket ship to the Mars, but <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the case, you know. And so, you know, I wrote a, I did some reporting. I'm like, oh, really? That's an interesting story. And then once I started reporting it, it wasn't true at all. Um, and so I wrote, not so much on the delay, but the SEC scrutiny is still a drag, you know, but it, you know, it, it, that's the kind of, that was a speedy thing, um, and we had to do it quickly, and when I was at the journal, we certainly wouldn't have done it that way. We just wouldn't have even written anything, or we would have taken a long time and taken four or five days to do Well, and, and in the old days, you had to wait for the paper to come out the next yes. morning anyway. five o'clock. There was always a five o'clock or two o'clock in the East Coast. Yeah, there was like a five o'clock deadline here, so everything was done on the timing of the newspaper and not the timing of people's interest in news and so you know we did things at our own pace and that that's not the case anymore readers really want stuff immediately they want it right away they want to hear reaction they want to they want stuff so yeah it's a definitely a different pace i don't sleep a whole lot as much as i used to um but um i think the kids probably no they're, that they take up much less of my time than blogging does but um but they um they don't care about me anymore they've just turned like six and nine so they're like oh mom go away so um uh no they're great kids um but uh, they are, they are. But you know how they are. Kids get like they don't want their mom around. So um, my young, my nine-year-old's more interested in Katy Perry these days than me. So which is the way it goes. Um, this is inevitable. Um, well, so, to help him with that decision, she's very attractive. So I understand the situation. Um, so um, so. Uh, Certain certain parts of her are very attractive more than others <laughs> for him. So um, anyway, that's this said. is the late day panel yeah, exactly. conversation. So, um, we'll talk about this so after anyway, so yes, the pace is ridiculous. It's really crazy. Well, but I'm trying to get my re- reporters not to react so much, and we they give them one day off a week each of them um, to do uh, enterprise pieces, longer pieces. They take some time, they report them, and they get a full day. Not I don't expect them to be going to the movies during these days. I expect them to really think hard about their beats and what the big stories are and what they should be pursuing. When you talk about iterating a story, one of the other issues with the way the stream moves, the way the news stream moves, you know, you talk about context and having your staff do more 
thoughtful, mm-hmm. contextually based right. based writing. What about following stories? Because obviously the, the flow of information, yeah. the, the, just the, the sheer volume of stuff that has to be covered right. is exponentially larger than it, it used to be. Yeah. So how do you mitigate that against also wanting to make sure that in, within their beat they are following stories through and carrying them through well, the second I mean, the follow, I mean, we try to break stories, actually. We don't try to follow stories. So, um, you know, I try, they have to watch the major companies on their beat, just like I did at the Wall Street Journal or anywhere else. You know, you follow the ma- major news events. But the question is, what's a news event? I mean, some of this stuff is made-up news event. You know what I mean? Silly little things. And so we treat them in the context. So we have very short, we have these things called bites that we just do a short piece on. But we're not a press release organization for startups or companies and stuff like that. And so we'll put it in its context and we try to by the size or the amount of t- attention. Um, it just depends on what the story is. And some of it, you know, some of it is ephemeral and some of it is important. Um, we don't want to get, uh, there's a very bad tendency in just general journalism to be um, to just do very a series of mundane stories, increment, I call it incrementalism, where you do a million, there was a guy I worked with years ago that used to do every single story on telecom, but he never was the greatest reporter in telecom, not because, not because of lack of work, because he just wrote every silly little incremental story, and you never understood the sweep of what telecom was doing to the society, you know, and so you have to have that idea of sweep and what the bigger story is, what it means for readers, because it's confusing to read one little news story after the next um, and we don't I think it's uh, I really again I encourage my reporters not to get sucked up into incrementalism and have no meaning to what they're writing about so we are in a room we're at the PR summit mm-hmm. Hi, everybody so uh, assuming that we look how many people here are eight with an agency a large or midsize or even a boutique agency how many people are independent uh, in the PR realm how about uh, on the corporate side how many people were just walking by and saw the cinnamon buns and thought it was a good idea to just kind of come in? Okay. They are actually really good. Um, so, obviously, PR people are a, are a vital part of the equation, um, both both good and bad for, for media people. How has your relationship with the PR community changed, and, and how do you see the tools that they're using or not using being a benefit to you? I have a good relationship with most PR people. I think most of them are pretty good. Some are incompetent, but it's not, it's just like journalists or anyone else. Um, you know, they, they just, they have to be faster. I think they're, they're struggling with the things around embargoes and things like that. I just wish they'd release everything to everyone at once. This whole weird embargo thing is strange, and it always gets fucked up. So, um, but you know, in general, general, they're pretty good about providing information uh, pretty quickly. Um, it hasn't changed a whole lot. It's just there's more people. I'm sure they have a headache of having to deal with lots and lots of people. Um, and, you know, it's definitely shifted from, it used to be when we were at the Wall Street Journal, they just gave us the stuff first. They just handed it to us. And, that, you know, that's the dirty little secret of big newspapers is we got to handle a lot of stuff. But now they hand us a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they give it to other organizations. Um, I prefer that we all get it at once because then we can all you know, have our own take on it, and we go, we rise or fall based on the quality of how we're covering it. Um, but uh, I suspect they're just being inundated and pecked to death by so many, so many different people now. Um, I would, I would assume it's uh, exhausting. Um, but I still think it, it counts the way it did before. Is that you go to tr- trusted, really good journalists, and you deal with them, and they set the tone for everybody else. Because, you know, I think if you have good relationships with a number of high quality journalists. Um, You'll do fine. You'll do fine. I mean, there's all that sorts of back and forth on who you should go to and things like that. But it seems like these days, if you give it to one person, everybody knows about it, and everybody tends to follow it um, once it's out there. So, um, 
So embargoes are, are embargoes just really a waste of time? I, you know, they exhaust me. I don't, they always break, so it's kind of silly. Um, but, you know, some things I'd like to know about in advance and get a briefing so you really understand a product, for, especially product things. It's like you can't really write about something without seeing it. And so in those cases, it's really useful to see things in advance. Um, in some cases, it's stupid, like these funding stories. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bar them from our site soon because they're so silly and they mean nothing, unless they're like these ridiculous massive fundings. And then you could write a story about ridiculous massive fundings. But, um, it, you know, some of them are just not silliness, and then some of them are, are good. It just, again, I think you should have good relationships with journalists who, are, who prove themselves to be high quality um, and, and act professionally. That's, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. But We're going to take a short break, uh, and when we come back... Kara's going to talk about just how hands-on a CEO Rupert Murdoch is. Uh, She'll talk about who's in charge at AOL, Arianna Huffington or Mike Arrington. And she'll also discuss uh, a event where uh, New York Times consumer technology reporter David Pogue was reprimanded for speaking at a PR conference. Stay with us. I see a lot of senior, mid-level and senior-level managers at all sorts of corporations and organizations around the country who are my age, I'm in my early 50s and older, who don't understand still what it is or its power or its importance in communicating with internal and external audiences, with customers, with members, with, with whomever the audience, the media, with legislators, with whomever the audience might be, and they just sort of discount its importance. And, uh, you know, I think that's one big hurdle that still has to be cleared here uh, for, for, for organizations, senior management to really understand and then embrace it. And then, you know, then really understand how to apply it uh, to, to their audiences and to their circumstances. I think that's really the big hurdle still. You know, we went to the, you know, the lunches where it's just a presentation and you, you see how important social media is. But the thing is, people would always walk away and say, what, where do we go from here? I'm completely lost. They say a blog is good and an RSS feed is good, but like, what do we do? Like, you know, it's important, but then someone from your company is going to have to learn how to do it. You know, so if you don't do it, then who's going to do it for you? So if you're ready to bring your laptop, log on and learn how to actually use social media, join me for my hands-on training tour presented by Social Media Today in September 2011 I'll be visiting Sydney, Singapore, London, Paris, Toronto, New York City, Chicago, and San Francisco. Bring your laptop to our computer training facility, log on, and get real-world experience using social media for serious business. There's only 30 slots per city. To sign up, go to www.socialmediabootcamp.com. Let's go back to the podcast. We're listening to Kathy Brooks, who currently handles marketing for Draper, Fisher, Jervis, and Backed, Israeli mobile phone search app provider Duat, and she's interviewing All Things D co-editor Kara Swisher. We talked a little bit earlier about ethics and, and transparency, mm-hmm. and uh, you are about as transparent Indeed. as, I mean, your, your disclaimer, you know, your disclosure on your, really on your blog is, yes. is, it feels like it's pages long. You it know, is you pages long. That you're, <laughs> trying you know, to your numb, partner is, is, uh, works at Google. We're trying you know, to numb you into <laughs> submission, really, with the amount of information. It works. Yeah, actually. It hurts yeah, a little it bit. Um, 
But ethics and News Corporation. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. They should use your our parent, disclosure your, your statement. Parent, your parent company. I have. I cannot defend what happened in Britain. It's appalling. It's just appalling. Um, even if 20% of what they're saying is true, um, it's just appalling. And it goes, you know, the highest executive, especially that one editor, uh, News International, Rebecca Brooks. Uh, no relation to me, <laughs> by um, the way. Clearly, <laughs> if she didn't know, should have known. Um, uh, there was some there's there's some sort of ethics happening there or lack of ethics that caused these reporters and it was widespread it was not a rogue person um, not just at News International but all over the British tabloid system um, to think this was okay um, and it's not it's not okay and it's definitely you know I've got of course I got the 900 emails from different CEOs of companies saying oh now I know how you got your scoops which I'm like oh screw you but you know it's not great to be to have that as a corporate thing um, I can say they have have you talked to Rupert about this uh, no he's a little busy now right now um, but um, I can tell you he's as sharp as attack despite that appearance at the uh, hearing mm-hmm. so it's not the Rupert Murdoch I met well you had him ago. you had him at all things yeah. D um, he's, well, he comes he's, every year and, mm-hmm. and he actually spoke he spoke I think we, the we year actually before the purchase yeah and what amazed me was the depth of knowledge and understanding that he showed of so many of the business oh, units. I never turn my back on that man. I'm done. So, I mean, what's the likelihood that, I mean... Uh, you know, I don't know if he, he actually... I don't know. You know, again, it's an investigation, so I, I don't like to... I'm like a reporter. I don't know. I have no idea. I think someone should find out. I think someone should find out exactly what the extent of knowledge was up to the top echelons of News Corp and take action if it was indeed... if that indeed happened. But... Um, you know, he's a very engaged CEO uh, and very engaged chairman. I don't know if he knows every detail of everything. Um, he certainly knows a lot about all things digital when I saw him recently. Um, but um, the most recent Maybe time he's I tapping saw. your phone. <laughs> no, I hope not. There's nothing that's so boring. It would be so dull to tap my phone. Um, uh, so... Uh, um, you know, it's it's not great. It's really bad. you know what, what disappoints me is that, it, that the journal is getting more than all things digital is not really that big a, a part of the News Corp empire. Uh, that the journal is getting uh, some some newspapers are taking the opportunity to over uh, attack parts of the parts of Dow Jones, for example, that are terrific and really have high ethics. So that's disappointing. I, it's, I'm not surprised they're doing it, but I mean the journal has, so far. I don't work at the journal anymore, but I can tell you at all things D, I've never had any met by anybody from News Corp um, ever once. Um, so I don't ever see that kind of um, what they were doing in Britain where they had very active involvement. And I don't, I, my impression is that they're not, uh, that the journal is better than ever. I, I think it's a pretty good newspaper. Um, and I think they're, you know, it's, it's, but it's different than the tabloids. The tabloid, that whole world is such a freak show that's happening there. But it's bad. It's bad. There's no way to, it's a bad and it's appalling. And those, the journalists who did that should be jailed if they broke laws. Yeah. At this point, Kathy starts to take questions, but they are not mic'd. So I cut out the questions, and all you're going to hear now are the answers. You know, depending on the reporter, we have reporters covering social, Liz Gaines, um, Enterprise, Eric Hesseldahl, Peter Kaffa covers media and advertising, John Pascal, she's a general news reporter, a lot of Apple, um, Ina Fried covers uh, mobile, uh, Trisha Durie covers gaming and commerce, so they're very obvious what they cover, and then I cover whatever the hell I feel like, because I'm the boss. Um, so, uh, mostly Yahoo. <laughs> I'm dedicated. That's it's just like, Carol it's is like so mo- fun. It's like Moby Dick to me, I'm Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> You know how that ended. Um, so, um, but uh, come on, seriously, what a traffic accident. Anyway, so, blows. Yeah, yeah. It's all so, new. Uh, she's been quiet lately. Definitions. She's been very quiet lately. Um, 
so uh, so anyway, so we're interested in interesting things. We don't we don't just rely on people we know. I mean, if you have an interesting company, we'd love to hear about it. Either writing the individual reporters or me, um, and I will get it to the right reporters. So the biggest criteria is something super interesting. I don't. We don't have. We don't bar things because we don't know them at all. Um, we certainly do look for people involved that we know about that it has credibility, but we like it, you know, interesting. Just this year at D, we had um, a demo. We usually, we have pretty big, uh, splashy demos of big, uh, you know, we did Windows 8, and we did um, stuff like that, but this year we had two students from the University of Pennsylvania uh, who uh, had this, has this weird wireless energy, like it beams energy to your cell phone from a box wirelessly. You know, so like if you forget pro- your charger, you yeah. don't have to worry. So this was some, so they, they just wrote us, and we were like, oh, that's interesting. And so we started to pursue it and look at it, and they were on stage at D, and they've since gotten funding from that. So it doesn't matter. I mean, something interesting always interests us kind of stuff. So you don't have to be big. Oh, we're like, you know, like we're like Groupon, we're like Slash, we're like, you know, like we're a version of that kind of stuff. Sort of the copycats. Once you write a story, people think you want to write endless stories about that topic. Um, so if you write a Groupon story, uh, I noticed you just wrote about Groupon, so of course you'd like to write about this. Um, so, and we get like 20 after every story kind of thing. So, uh, you know, again, we're not... Uh, you know, there's been a lot about commerce, like a lot about group commerce, um, but we still will write about it. It's really an interesting trend. Um, I'm trying to think of topics that just bore the living game. Oh, you know, whether Spotify was coming to the USA, that story went on forever. <laughs> like, you know, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. We wrote like nine. We, I feel we are culpable in that situation, but, um, you know, we like to try to advance stories. I guess we don't want to do me too, me too stories. We want to advance, have an interesting new way. And so a lot of people do pitch themselves as like different companies. I don't think that, I think you should just pitch yourself as the company you are. And I know it's, it's sort of like, uh, I know you're a stupid journalist, so let me try to help you out to understand our company. But just if you explain your company pretty clearly, we can, you know, somehow muddle our way through figuring it out. Yes, sir. Right. I just am tired of it. I just don't. I don't. So where's your sweet spot? Like, you know, I'll take back that on product news. We're going to be expanding uh, that area uh, quite substantially soon. Um, Well, see, they're busy at News Corp with other things. So we were about to get the funding for it, but now they're busy in London. Um, So no, seriously, there may be a lot of staff looking for work soon, though. It's like the tutors. Things stop when things are. There's a crisis in France. (laughs) There's a crisis in France, and everyone back in England has to sit tight. Um, But um, but it's really funny. But hopefully. We'll be getting our funding. I shouldn't complain, but I'm so sick of waiting. Um, but um, but uh, we're going to be adding some product reviewers um, to the site at some point, um, and uh, and uh, we'll be doing more gadget, uh, lots and lots of gadget project and product news. It's going to be part of the site, but um, but we'll hire someone just to write about product news, and so we'll do all kinds of stuff. Again, we don't want to become a PR release. Though. We don't want to just print. It's going to be interesting to see how we do it, and we'll have to see how it goes. Um, so we will do more. We'll do more. We'll have reviewers doing gadgets, uh, excuse me, games and apps. We'll do a lot more app reviews. Um, we'll do a lot of all kinds of things. So we're excited about that. And hopefully there'll be a conference attached to it also. So to be clear, we're talking about bloggers being paid by people to write content as yeah. opposed to being bloggers for an organization that pays them to write. As a, yeah, that's an advert. That's yeah. an advertorial. I don't know how, you know, you like you read, sometimes magazines have those things from like, 
I don't know, Sumatra suddenly takes the inside of uh, Vanity Fair or something like that. But um, those are advertorials, and they should be it should be disclosed, but they don't often disclose. Um, or they disclose them in the, Well, they don't disclose most of the time. And so it's horrible. It's just, you know, whatever. If people want to make money that way, as long as they say what they're doing, it's fine by me. I don't, you know, there's lots of jobs that people have to do to make money, but they should disclose it, and readers should know what's happening, and I think the companies that hire them should make it clear. Um, it's, uh, it's really, I think disclosure is really important. We, we do on our site, you know, quite a bit. Um, we, you know, the, the getting of free materials, Walt is very, Walt Mossberg, my partner, is particular about this, about, you know, he's very clear that he doesn't keep these things, he buys his own products. I just forked over 2,000 bucks for a new MacBook Air, so I know about that situation. Um, you know, they offer for you all these things for free, but you have to resist the big ticket items kind of stuff. Um, and they, um, you know, we, we don't, I, I don't, I, whatever with that, but they should disclose it. I don't know what to say. Um, I, I have been on the record rather stringently talking about bloggers who make investments in startups, and I wrote quite a scathing column. Oh, I got, ugh. Let's talk a little more about that. Uh, well, I wrote a story of saying that I didn't, you know, what I had done is I called up AOL and asked if they were aware that uh, Arrington was making investments. And, of course, they didn't get back to me, and Arrington wrote a screed the next day saying, I've decided to invest again without dis- disclosing that I had called or there were, were inquiries and stuff. And so as I thought about it, the more I thought about it, you know, because he had not been investing before now, then he changed his mind. And when I first contacted AOL, they had no idea he was doing it. You know what I mean? Like Tim Armstrong was the CEO. I said, you know he's investing? He goes, oh, I didn't know. Like, of course they didn't know. They didn't know. You know, they could have just said, oh, we didn't know, but now we have a new policy. Um, but um, I decided instead to focus on Ariana Huffington, who's been on the record, who I like very much, and it's, I consider a friend, um, but who has been on the record talking about standards of journalism and raising them to the heights of Mount Olympus. Um, and so I thought, well, look, Arrington always does this kind of shit, so what do I care? You know, I mean, I think I said, you know, don't be surprised when a fish is a fish. Oh, well, it's a fish again. What a, what a surprise. So, and, but I did want to take issue with her because she had gone on and on about um, uh, journalistic ethics. And what was appalling to me is that she came out with a policy that said then, which they didn't send to me again, which is just a little back and forth. They just want to screw with people who actually ask them legitimate questions. Um, but um, they put out a policy that said no blogger or writer for AOL can make investments in anything they cover except Michael Arrington, which is sort of like saying, murder is wrong, except this guy, he can shoot whoever he likes. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just one of these things. It's just, it's not a policy if you break it immediately. Um, and, you know, they were, they were pretzeling themselves to deal with a situation of a very influential blogger who has, a, some of the site is tremendously good, who makes a lot of money for them and they spend a lot of money on, so they wanted to keep them. So whatever, but they didn't say that. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know, I just... Uh, you know, he makes an argument that if he's transparent about it, um, it's fine. Um, he then attacked me for being married to someone who works at Google. And I'm actually quite not nice to Google, so it's kind of an interesting, weird psychodrama going on there. Um, but um, but w- w- my response was, I can only marry one person. And actually, not really, because I'm gay, so I can't marry anyone at all. Um, but, um, you know... Cat in Canada. I suppose. Nobody cares about what the Canadians think. Iowa. Yeah, but you really can't. Honestly, it's not real. It's not real. It's like fake marriage, I hate to tell you, because you don't have federal rights. But I'm not going to go on about that. Um, But um, uh, it's very pretty, though. I'm glad 
they can have enjoying whatever. Uh, so, um, so, but federal federal law matters. Um, but my my point was that. I don't benefit financially from Megan, and where our finances are completely separate, and it's very disclosed. I mean, they're completely separate. I don't get any of her money. She doesn't use any of my money. It's very separate. Well, and you also, in terms of even talking about, like, she'll go on a trip, and you know that she's going to a certain part of the world, well, but you don't know what she's anything. doing. But she you never don't know tells what she's me anything. Doing. Yeah. So uh, it's a very, it's a very, you know, you can you can speculate all you want about it, but there's just, I mean, we're either lying or we're not lying. I say she does not tell me anything, and if she does, I put it in this, the blog. Only one time I did that when she was involved in the Facebook negotiations. I'd been breaking a lot of stories about Facebook talking to both Google and um, Microsoft, and she suddenly appeared in the negotiation. And she, of course, didn't tell me, and I found out about someone else, and I immediately put up a post saying, she's involved, I'm out until it's finished. Um, so we've been very strict about that. And you know, I can only marry, again, one person. I can't make 123 investments in small startups and then say you're going to be fair. And maybe you can be. It just creates all kinds of... Whatever. I mean, I guess if you're transparent, I don't. I wouldn't do it, but you know, whatever. I just think it makes. Uh, I wouldn't do it. But then, can I get a hallelujah? Yeah. I don't know. It's just strange. It's just strange. There's gonna. Be, what happens to the people that compete with that company they're investing in? If this person's the boss of that person, don't they have some influence on them? Uh, are they? Well, that's another story. <laughs> Whatever. If you want to put up with that shit, go right ahead. I don't understand why you do, but uh, we won't be yelling at you unnecessarily at all. And if they do, if anyone at All Things Digital yells at any of you in a mean way, like a legitimate way, it's fine. Um, but if anyone ever has a tantrum for you, All Things Digital, you let me know because that's not, that, I don't put up with that shit. So. Good anyway. parenting. I don't, exactly. It's good parenting. That's right. <laughs> Smack. But they wouldn't do it. They're professionals. Um, you know, I don't know enough about what happened there, but I read the ombudsman stuff for sure, for closely. I, I was surprised he was doing that. That's a little bit over the line. Um, if, if what the ombudsman of the New York Times said was accurate, which I think it was, um, I don't, you know, I don't think he should have been doing that. That seems, advi- doing advising PR clients seems not something, like, I can't imagine Walt ever, sometimes Walt says, I hate that shit, you know what I mean? But it's not advising. He's saying, I'm about to tell you it sucks, so you can change it or not. It's up to you. Um, um, but, uh, you know, being paid to help companies improve their products or improve their pitches, just not so much. You know, it's just, it's the, people do it, again, whatever. It's a big, crazy world out there, but it's, it's, it's unethical. So, I mean, we think, we consider it unethical, and we're not trying to look our nose down at the New York Times or anyone else, but I don't think the New York Times was aware of that at the time. But, and he stopped, right? That's correct? I know, but that's bullshit. Oh, the speaking is different. It's interesting because we don't, um, we, I don't get, I get paid very, not very often for speaking because it creates all kinds of weird conflicts, unless it's like the meat packers of Nebraska, which has no link to tech. Like, okay, fine, I'll come. I don't eat meat, so I probably wouldn't do that. But, um, uh, but, uh, but, you know, I think it's just, it creates so much confusion. Um, and it's fine to get paid for a speech and things like that. But I think in that case, he was actually advising PR people. That was different. Giving speeches, whatever, it's fine, whatever he wants to do. But you just have to make sure you're not getting money from Microsoft to talk up at Microsoft and you write about Microsoft. That creates, that's not good. 
that's not a, probably something, uh, you know, but these things are case-by-case case basis. But I suspect the New York Times has really tremendously good ethical guide guide, I, from what I understand. I've read After them. all the Jason Blair stuff. They, they do. They, they have great guidelines. They're a great newspaper. Um, but uh, I think they this whole contract or whatever, his stuff appears in the paper, and he's he works for them, so he should adhere to their guidelines. He's a very nice guy. Um, I think nobody was monitoring him, and perhaps they should have been doing you know, when they got some complaints, because they've had previous complaints about this. Um, they probably should have done something. He's a very good reviewer, though. I think he's quite fair. Um, but again, that's, I, we would never get paid by PR people to give advice. It's just, you know, maybe in another, maybe in the next career, uh, I'll do that, but I doubt it. I think I, I'd feel all dirty. Anyway. And on that note, uh, thank you, Kara. It's always such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.